Okay, say some things. Hello. Adventure. Love. Connection. Risk. Passion. Evolution. Play. Life. The Archetypal Tarot Podcast. Provocative mythology for the 21st century. To wrap up 2018, we present to you an original holiday fable written and read by our very own Sundara Quackenbush. We hope you enjoy this short story and send you wishes for holidays filled with connection, peace, happiness, laughter, and tasty treats. Merry Christmas, Good Yule, Happy Solstice, Feliz Navidad, Mele Kalikimaka. The Tears of Father Christmas Story by Sundara Quackenbush Edited by Gemma Quackenbush The hot springs at Grover State Park had not yet opened. I was dropped off at the end of a large golden meadow. There the forest began, with steep mountains rising up to meet me. I saw a large bird circling high above the peaks, with a white cap to its head. This was the first bald eagle I had ever seen. It was Christmas Eve. I stepped onto the path, determined to find the waterfall. I had heard about it from our host, Angel, back at the old cabins. Angel. This name would, after the experience I now relate, tie in meaningfully. My thoughts turned to my solitude here at the base of these mountains. Would any other wild beasts, man or animal, cross my path? I never had these fears as a child, growing up in the desert wilderness, home to so many snakes as well as unsavory characters. But all I now felt, walking farther down the path, was the quiet witness of the towering pines, at once unsettling and deeply soothing at the same time. It is a playful habit of mine, ever since I was a kid, to find good sticks to walk with while out in the wilderness. There were plenty about on this walk, fallen from the bountiful trees. I soon found one, roughly about my own height, and had a characteristic crookedness. I was becoming more comfortable in the landscape, emboldened playfully with a bent stick. I noticed a small sprig of evergreen foliage on the floor of the forest. It looked cheerful and fresh. I placed it in the ear of my knitted, fur-trimmed hat. Large stones began to rise along the side of the pathway. The landscape was changing. A large rock stood out, looking like the body of a large, featherless bird. Growing from the gap of the rock, there grew a healthy young pine. I could hardly believe it could have come from such a narrow gap. I thought perhaps it was a branch which someone had put there for fun. I reached and tugged at the base of the small tree, which wouldn't budge. I stepped back, aghast at its stubborn protest. It was, indeed, held firmly by its mysterious roots, growing from the rock. Maybe a seed had sown itself within the folds of this rock, causing their paths to be inextricably tied. Would roots of a great tree split a rock like this from itself? Or would the growth of the tree be fatefully stunted? Had trees before it, in those enormous eons of time, attempted the same feat? On the path there were now slopes with more snow, which had melted from the previous day's sun, then frozen again, forming a slippery surface. The walking stick saved me several times. 
Streams with the scent of sulfur ran through these small dips. To avoid falling in, I had to walk across thick fallen branches placed over the water. This must, I thought, be related to the waters of the hot springs. I looked forward to the post-walk soak later today, but first the waterfall I must find. I caught sight of some footprints. I began to follow them. These gave me a comforting path to follow, bringing me to a detour around the edge of the rocks. I was loving the footprints, loving the snow, the way the two went together. I heard a gush of water and I thought I might be close. I made my way to the sound washing through the morning quiet, brushing away the snow-filled branches. The trail became less obvious as I trudged forward into thicker snow. I was met by an uprising of rock, which did not seem to have a clear path. The footprints detoured around the edge of the rocks. I came to a stream of dark gray waters seen through the holes of accumulated snow. Here, the snow deepened, and there was no more footprints to follow. I could see the water's cold clarity as it flowed, as it circulated over the smooth rocks. Ice patches were frozen to the edges of the stream, making me cautious to move any closer. Was this the waterfall? This could not be the waterfall. I turned back, retracing my steps through the brush. I turned my attention back to the enclave of rocks, which held the snow in their layered recesses. It was then that I saw the footprints reappear, and once more I followed them. They were going upward. Well, I thought, to see a waterfall, a height must be climbed. So, stick in hand, careful not to slip on icy snow, I began the ascent. The footprints began to appear less and less. At this point, the path was definitely not clear. I began more to trust my instincts. Instincts that I did not know I had, being a snowless, desert-born girl. I had previously been afraid in the snow, afraid of losing direction, getting lost. But the sound of the nearby stream oriented me, and my feet fell one after the other confidently forward. Strange trees grew from the heights of the rock. It was a landscape alien to anything I had seen before. I remember the flat rock I had just landed on when I once again heard the gushing of water. It was a big gush of water. In the deep, cold air, I was getting close. I could feel it. I first caught sight of the waterfall some distance away. I could see that it surged and gushed in several places as it fell upon the rocks. Curved icicles hung on all sides of the largest rock. That rock drew your eyes to its unique shape and contour. To the right of the falls, what looked like a large dead redwood curled towards the sky. Upon reaching the base of its trunk, I noticed it was hollowed out and burned on the inside. I leaned my back against the neighboring rock, further absorbing the flowing statement of the falls. I thought, it looks like I can safely make my way closer. Upon the ice, I meditated. I saw how it formed like long, straight hair down the curvature of the rocky head. 
I was suddenly able to make the outline of a distinct profile on the ice, emerging from the curls of icy straight hair. There came a bald white forehead eclipsed with light. There was from there a black hiding place, a secret place inside the ice, a staring eye. I gazed at it, taking it all the way in, watching how that eye was part of a larger portrait, a bearded face. Father Christmas? Yes, I could see it this way. However, this Father Christmas had a facial expression of pure suffering. Water plunged from behind the profile as if they were tears. This Father Christmas, as he appeared to be, was weeping. Now, a quick note on Father Christmas. It was as much of a surprise to me to identify a Father Christmas on Christmas Eve as perhaps it is to you. I deeply enjoyed the merriment of Christmas as a child, yet since I grew up I have only vaguely followed its traditions. I failed to find what I was looking for, the meaning I could really relate to. At this time of year, I become, you might say, a celebrator of the solstice, reaching the longest night and marking the day when the light would slowly return was the most meaningful essence I could glean from the holiday period. But here now was Father Christmas, undeniably. His name rang out a continual exclamation, an avalanche of feeling as I witnessed his presence. But why was he weeping? and so fiercely, so mournfully, towards the sky. The image of his face was now transposed to my inner imagination. It is here that the image begins to move, to reveal itself as alive. You can see him now in his entirety, the long white hair, the warm robes, the heart-rending image of a man, tears pouring from his cheeks. He also carries a staff. He's pointing it upward towards the sky. I wondered what effect the tears of the spirits had for the living. Do they make a path clear for us as we walk through our worldly ways, reaching inevitable ends? To think these questions while holding this image of Father Christmas firmly in mind led me to a kind of dialogue. I asked, why are you weeping, Father Christmas? I could sense his answer. That's the way it was. Wherever Father Christmas roams, great gifts are flowering like ripe red fruits strewn through the snow. Are these gifts like the ones in red wrapping paper under the Christmas tree? No, these are not, because they cannot be things purchased or even made. Gifts, as in, you have a gift, for you are gifted. Gift comes from the old Norse word, gift. And who, in Norse mythology, wears a long robe and is long-bearded? None but the god Odin, master of ecstasy, fury, inspiration, a contradicting god of wisdom, and a baffling trickster. He took out his own eye to have the wisdom of all the worlds. 
I could see the potential of this shaman of sorts reaching his full fury of agony summoning from the sky the winds that whipped through these mountains causing in other seasons much mishap in the campsites yet here was stillness on this christmas eve a benevolent bestowal of gifts i felt myself ask how can these gifts be received I sensed an answer, the image of Father Christmas growing yet more vivid, multicolored. The gifts cannot be received unless they are glimpsed and recognized in your own mind. I realized that it was a truly grievous misunderstanding, that replacement of excitement for gifts on the outside instead of those inside of us waiting to be revealed. The eye that simply eyes the external prize is blinded to see the real gifts within, and that was why he was weeping this Father Christmas on Christmas Eve here in the snow. After a space of time very hard to measure, I retract, retracted my steps as best I could, making my way back. As I did, I found myself returning to the base of the stream where I had been before. It was there that I was able to touch the cool, clear waters in the watershed of snow and feel it now as the tears of that great entity. It felt like a healing touching these waters, a baptism. I placed the evergreen from my hat on the snow of the rock that gave witness. I pressed my hand over its leafy branching, feeling the depths of my gratitude until my fingers numbed with the cold. The slight bite clinging to my hand sealed the memory, made it real. I later learned that I had been gone for a few hours, but time gets relative sometimes. It seemed like it could have been a billion years. On my way down the mountain, encountering other travelers in the meadow, I exclaimed, You can see Father Christmas up there, in the waterfall! The strangers smiled at me politely amused. Soaking in the middle mineral waters after the walk, I felt steeped even further within the warm embrace of this magical landscape. Every muscle seemed to relax, all tensions healed in the release of solitude. I came very close to an amnesia of the whole event, as if I had been caught in the rivers of Letha. But I caught my indulgent mind, moving on to my journal to make as many notes as I could. The following day, Christmas Day, I decided to head that way again, bringing along my partner, Joro, eager to show him Father Christmas. The sun was shining warm rays through the branches. It was an altogether different walk, more pleasant, more certain. This time my feet were sure where they were going. We walked all the way there. We reached the waterfall. It did not take long to see that Father Christmas was no longer there. The ice had greatly melted. What had been the face of Father Christmas had changed to three thick icicles. It looked to me like the head of a jaggedly cheerful goat. He seemed to be smiling. Now, a few notes on the difference between Father Christmas and Santa Claus as archetypes. Father Christmas is not featured on Christmas Day. 
It is always Christmas Eve where he is highlighted. The ancient Father Christmas is of average build and seen primarily in a robe of green, which connects him also to the archetype of the green man, a pre-Christian spirit of nature personified as a man. He is a symbol of growth and rebirth. He always lives in the woodland. He loves spreading the spirit of Christmas. He is Christmas, embodied. He walks on his own, often with a staff, or has been known to ride a goat. He wears an evergreen crown. He is real. Santa Claus dates from the early 19th century. He is round and wears red, topped with an elf's cap. He rides on a sleigh with reindeer throughout the world, giving gifts to children on eve of Christmas and, we assume, the early morning hours of Christmas itself before the light of morning. For the rest of the year, he is in the North Pole. He enjoys cookies and cocoa, but with those rosy cheeks, I am sure he wouldn't pass on a nice brandy. He's a likable character, though perhaps a cheapened version of Father Christmas. He seduces us all into focusing on the things of Christmas as opposed to the ways of Christmas. But in whatever form, the archetype of this generous, magical trickster, creator, spirit is alive as ever. It is now two days past Christmas. I remember I was a child, right around five years old, being a bit sad on the night of Christmas. The morning had been an early one, with hopes that maybe the desert would, just this once, bring snow. There was wondering how Santa could possibly have fit down the thin black chimney pipe. Steam covered the cold windows as food was prepared, Apple pie warmed inside the oven. There was excitement and presents and family all gathered together, whether they liked it or not. There was taking turns opening presents, surprises and no surprises, and the odd folksy gifts from grandparents. Perhaps most memorably, I received a beard on a stick, a sort of desk decoration with eyes. In the evening, the tree was still lit but lonely, no longer surrounded by mysteries. The branches of the fake tree would soon be collapsed, put away with all the ornaments for another year. When Christmas was over, it was over. Today, on this third day after my Christmas Eve walk, I still feel the spirit with me. It does not feel as if the holiday has passed. I still smile and wish people I see a Merry Christmas. I feel in touch with a deep sense of generosity and a desire to bring any hidden gifts within to the world around. Will this fade as the work returns with familiar faces and challenges? Yet, just now, with the song called Silent Night playing somewhere close by and the sound of some kind of river right around the great old way, I feel as though Father Christmas lives in every moment of warmth and sharing, every moment of wisdom, of nature. We know you could have done something else with the last 20 or so minutes of your life, but we're so glad that you spent it with us. We will be back in January of 2019 with more archetypal explorations. In the meantime, Find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and let us know what you think. What would you like to hear more about or less about? We always love hearing from you. 
And if you'd like to become one of our most favorite people in the whole universe, become a patron. Just visit tiny.cc tarot. And you too could be like these awesome humans. Sarah, Geneva, Richard, Peter, Rash, Ali, and Yvonne. Thank you. Your support makes all of this happen and you make us smile every day. Produced by Both and Media. Theme music by The Lunar Group.